The prophet Isaiah gave a prophecy concerning Tyre, a very powerful city, that it would fall not once, but twice. And any success that Tyre would see, God would use for His glory when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible commentary to help encourage your time in the Word. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we feature New Testament study, an Old Testament book on Thursday, and our Q&A on Friday. Now here's your teacher, Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. In our study of the book of Isaiah, we're up to chapter 23, and this is an oracle concerning the city of Tyre, or as some would pronounce it, Tyre. There's 18 verses here. I'm going to begin by reading the first seven out of the Legacy Standard Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. The oracle concerning Tyre. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is destroyed without house or harbor. It is revealed to them from the land of Cyprus. Be silent, you inhabitants of the coastland, you merchants of Sidon. Your messengers crossed the sea and were on many waters. The grain of Shihor, the harvest of the Nile, was her revenue, and she was the nation's gain. Be ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea speaks the strong defense of the sea, saying, I have neither travailed nor given birth. I have neither brought up choice men nor reared virgins. When the report reaches Egypt, they will be in travail at the report of Tyre. Pass over Tarshish, wail, O inhabitants of the coastland. This is your exultant city, whose origin is from days of old, whose feet used to lead her to sojourn in distant places. Now, Tyre is a very ancient city, in fact, considered by many to be one of the oldest cities in the world. It does still exist. It is in the modern nation of Lebanon, just a little bit to the south of Beirut, a little over 100 miles to the north of Jerusalem, right there on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And the way this begins, an oracle concerning Tyre, or also the burden of Tyre, as that would be translated, and then addressing Tarshish, whale o ships of Tarshish. Now, you might remember that city as being the place where Jonah was trying to flee to when God was telling Jonah to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent. Jonah got on a ship bound for Tarshish. That was about as far away as he could get. Tarshish and Tyre, as far as powerful trading cities were concerned, were about as far from one another as they could be. Tarshish was clear out towards Spain, like practically the end of the Mediterranean Sea as you go out into the Atlantic Ocean. There's no more land past Tarshish. So the ships of Tarshish, the furthest west you could go, trade that went as far as Europe extended. Those ships, the, the traders aboard those ships, the city itself, which was a bustling center of trade, they wailed at the destruction of Tyre, because there's nowhere for them to go. They could go to some of the cities, you know, around what, what is modern-day Greece or Italy or something to that effect, but they lost the revenue that they could get from going all the way out to Tyre. And there was no city as wealthy for the ship traders on the Mediterranean as Tyre was. So at the destruction of Tyre, it is felt as far away as Tarshish. 
Now, as we continue on with this particular oracle, at the end of the oracle, there's a statement about Tyre being restored. Yahweh will visit Tyre. They will still bring in their harlot's wages, but their harlot's wages will be used in a way that is more honoring of God instead of hoarding up their own wealth. Let me read to you a historic commentary on this particular oracle concerning Tyre, and then we'll do our exposition of the scriptures here. This is from the Benson Commentary. Here's what it says about the burden of Tyre. Tyre was an ancient city and wealthy city situated upon the Mediterranean Sea and for many ages, one of the most celebrated cities in those parts of the world. The Greek geographer Strabo says that after Sidon, it was the greatest and most ancient city of the Phoenicians. It's mentioned in Joshua 19.29, the strong city Tyre as existing when Canaan was divided by lot to the tribes of Israel. In the days of David and Solomon, it evidently appears to have been a place of great note, and it continued and increased in its commerce, wealth, population, and power during the reigns of subsequent kings of Israel and Judah. When Isaiah uttered this prophecy respecting its desolation, which he did 125 years before it happened, it stood firm in its strength and glory, abounded in riches, and was especially mighty in naval power, having lately conquered the navy which the Assyrians had brought against it. Yet this city, according to this prophecy, was destroyed, and that twice, first by Nebuchadnezzar, and long afterward by Alexander the Great. That, of course, would have happened after the biblical record. Continuing on. The former it withstood 13 years, at the end or which time the inhabitants, wearied out by endless efforts, resolved to place the sea between them and their enemy, and accordingly passed into an island about half a mile from the shore, where, as Vitringa has proved at large from good authorities, a smaller city already stood, accounted a part of Tyre, and where had long been the principal station for ships. The city on the island was by this means greatly enlarged and was afterward termed New Tyre. This withstood Alexander seven months, and before he could take it, he was obliged to fill up the strait which separated the island from the continent. Although this prophecy first and more directly respects the former destruction, yet it seems to have some reference to the latter also. Only it is here foretold that 70 years after the former destruction and before the latter, Tyre should recover her former power and glory, which came to pass accordingly. So this is the eighth and last discourse of the second part of Isaiah's prophecies concerning the city of Tyre. And after we finish with this, when we come into chapter 24 next week, we read about how Yahweh will empty the earth, swallow up death, establish peace, and deliver Israel. And then after that, beginning in verse 20, or chapter 28, we'll have various prophecies concerning judgment on Israel. But let's come back here once again to the oracle or the burden of Tyre. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is destroyed without house or harbor. It is revealed to them from the land of Cyprus. Be silent, you inhabitants of the coastland, you merchants of Sidon. Your messengers crossed the sea and were on many waters. The grain of Shihor, the harvest of the Nile, was her revenue. 
and she was the nation's gain. So the destruction of Tyre is going to be felt by all of these other nations as well. Those that had traded with Tyre had had brought grain to Tyre. For Egypt, this, this was their most abundant crop to have grain and to be able to take it to Tyre and receive such great wealth. But with that city destroyed, where do they go with their grain? Like when you've got uh, shipmen who have already settled out their uh, appointments and their deals and their traders, and they know exactly with this harvest, I'm going to this place. They know how much grain they have and who they're going to trade it with. And suddenly that trader is not there. Well, now they've, they've got a serious problem because I've either got to take this grain somewhere or it's going to go bad. What am I going to do with this grain when they've already scheduled out who they're going to take it to? So this becomes a judgment upon other cities and other nations as well who feel the effects of the destruction of such a great city. In the book of Revelation, we know that when Babylon is destroyed, the kings of the cities of the earth wail and, and because it's like, what do we do? Where do we go for trade? Where do we receive our goods and services when a center of business like the, the powerful, influential city of Babylon has been destroyed? And so similar sort of a thing here with the destruction of Tyre, it's felt all over the world with every trading city on the Mediterranean. Continuing on in verse four, the sea speaks the strong defense of the sea, saying, I have neither travailed nor given birth. I have neither brought up choice men nor reared virgins. When the report reaches Egypt, they will be in travail at the report of Tyre. Pass over to Tarshish, wail, O inhabitants of the coastland. Is this your exultant city, whose origin is from days of old, whose feet used to lead her to sojourn in distant places? See, even in the day of Isaiah, this was an ancient city, considered with great power and longevity, truly the gods, okay, talking about the false gods, truly the gods had blessed such an important powerful center. That's the way the people would have perceived it. If this city has lasted so long and has such influence in the world, it has the favor of the gods, but then Yahweh comes and destroys it. And he's going to do it the first time by the hands of the Babylonians. And again, as mentioned before, the second time it will happen by the hand of Alexander the Great. So when Yahweh brings destruction, destruction upon Tyre, reveals to the world this city was not as powerful as you thought it was. And, and so it's a very indicting question here in verse 7. Is this your exultant city? Is this where you had placed your trust and riches? Now look at it. The statement that was made in verse 4, like the personification of the sea that says, I have neither travailed nor given birth. I have neither brought up choice men nor reared virgins. It's speaking of the destruction of Tyre as being so total and so affecting that it's as if children had never even come from her at all. That's how serious this destruction is. Where will be found in the world a citizen who came from the city of Tyre? So going on into verses 8 through 11, there's three movements here. Verses 1 through 7 is the first movement. 8 through 11 begins, who has counseled this against Tyre, giving credit to Yahweh, who has brought this judgment against the city. So it's, just, it's not just happenstance that this city happened to fall. It is Yahweh who has brought this judgment. 
And then there will be a final prophecy in verses 12 to 18. So looking at the second movement here, verses 8 through 11, who has counseled this against Tyre, the bestower of crowns? Who is it that gives crowns to men that they may have authority and rule? As it says in Daniel chapter 2, it is Yahweh who sets up kings and tears down kings. So we continue with this question in verse 8, whose merchants were princes, whose traders were the honored of the earth. Who receives these great commendations, whether it be a king or a prince or a successful merchant or a trader or who receives honor on the earth? Where does all of this come from? If not from the blessing of Yahweh, men would have nothing. We're born naked. We die naked. We come with nothing. We leave with nothing. So who bestows upon us anything that we possess? The credit goes to the Lord. And so he has the authority to set up and tear down. Verse 9, Yahweh of hosts has counseled it to defile the pride of all beauty, to make contemptuous all the honored of the earth. That which people will say is great and wonderful, Yahweh will tear it down. He will humble those who are proud. Very interesting thing to consider as we're doing this particular study in a month that our culture refers to as Pride Month. (laughs) Totally ignorant of statements in scripture like pride goes before a fall, as it says in the book of Proverbs. Pride goes before destruction. God will tear down the prideful, it says over and over again in the scriptures. So let us not think too highly of ourselves. Let us not think of the military might of the United States of America as being able to withstand the judgment of God when it comes upon this nation, and it will. Turn from your wickedness and your sin to the Lord before that day happens. Yahweh of hosts is counseled to defile the pride of all beauty. Everything that a culture would call beautiful, God will call repugnant. And he will tear it down in his might. Verses 10 to 11, overflow your land like the Nile, O daughter of Tarshish. There is no more restraint He has stretched his hand out over the sea. He has made the kingdoms tremble. Again, all of these cities that feel the effects of this judgment that has come upon Tyre. Yahweh has given a command concerning Canaan to demolish its strong defenses. And now the final movement, which begins in verse 12. So he said, you shall exalt no more. O crushed virgin daughter of Sidon. Now, as was said in that historical commentary note that we read, Tyre was perhaps the second most powerful trading city in the world after Sidon. So Tyre had its riches because it depended even upon another city. Therefore, it is referred to as the daughter of Sidon. You shall exalt no more. And this should cause those other cities that trade with it, Tarshish being mentioned, Sidon, those on the Nile, etc. Other cities should tremble in the fear of God at this because just as judgment has been brought against Sidon or, or Tyre rather, so judgment will be brought against any city that does not fear God. Arise, pass over to Cyprus. Even there you will find no rest. Behold the land of the Chaldeans 
This is the people which was not. Assyria established it for desert creatures. They erected their siege towers. They stripped its palaces. They made it a ruin. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for your strong defense is destroyed. Now it will be in that day that Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, like the days of one king. At the end of 70 years, it will happen to Tyre as in the Song of the Harlot. Now, so the interesting thing here is that it's being prophesied exactly who's going to come against Tyre and destroy it. It will be the city that you least expect right now. You don't think the Chaldeans have the power to be able to come against you, but in the time, you know, it's over 100 years from the time of this prophecy, in that span of time, Babylon will be built up and they will be the ones to come and conquer Tyre. So this prophecy is being given. And then, of course, there is a mention of a destruction that will come upon Tyre a little bit later on. But first of all, we have a promise of restoration. Now, it will be in that day that Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years. So after this destruction comes, by the hands of the Chaldeans, Tyre will have no position of authority. No one will be coming to trade with Tyre. It'll just be a forgotten city. It won't be on anyone's trade registry for 70 years, like the days of one king. So what would essentially be the span of a single monarchy? At the end of 70 years, it will happen to Tyre, as in the Song of the Harlot, verse 16, take your harp, walk about the city, O forgotten harlot, Pluck the string skillfully, sing many songs that you may be remembered. So word is going to go about regarding Tyre's destruction and that it has now been restored. The word is going to get around that we can trade with Tyre again. And as mentioned in the historical note, it becomes a city that was built on an island just off the coast of Tyre. This was an island that was already in possession of Tyre. It was where many ships would come, mostly fishermen. Trade would happen more on the on the coast, right there on the, uh, the eastern side of the Mediterranean Sea. But Tyre also had an island. And that's where they would go and build this city. And they would believe it to be even more fortified. We're even more invincible than we were before. It's not like the former glory that we had, but it's still... A powerful city, and we're surrounded all on all sides by water, so who can come against us? Well, when Alexander comes and conquers it, he builds a bridge from the mainland to the city on the island, and that's how he's able to overtake them. That'll be the destruction that comes upon them the second time. But here, as we conclude verses 17 to 18, and it will be at the end of 70 years that Yahweh will visit Tyre. Then she will go back to her harlot's wages and will play the harlot with the kingdoms on the face of the earth. And her gain and her harlot's wages will be set apart to Yahweh. It will not be treasured up or hoarded, but her gain will become sufficient food and choice attire for those who inhabit the presence of Yahweh. So God is going to allow that city to be rebuilt, but the wealth that they will possess will actually benefit the people of God. Is what's being stated there. Now, again, this is how the final oracle of these prophecies conclude. This is the eighth discourse of Isaiah. Here's the conclusion. And then we shift gears and we're looking toward a future glory where Yahweh is going to empty the earth and he's even going to defeat death in chapters 24 and 25. That's what we're going to get to next week. But our segue, I mean, we seg from this final oracle into that 
in verse 18 with this statement about how even though Tyre is going to build itself back up again, it's not going to be for themselves, but God is going to use them for his glory. And then we go into the prophecies concerning what Yahweh is going to do in the earth. And that's our saying, and we get to that next week, as I said, in chapter 24. But let us remember once again that there is no place on earth that anyone can flee to from the judgment of God. When God has finally had enough of the stench of a people's sin, he will pour out his wrath on them and no one will escape. In the book of Revelation, it says people will flee to the mountains and they'll beg for the mountains to cover over them to escape from the judgment of God, but no one will be able to escape. The only way you can be saved from judgment on that day, a judgment that, that every single person will have to face, living or dead, everyone will stand before the great white throne of judgment. And the only way to be saved is by faith in Jesus Christ. He who died on the cross, who rose again from the dead, whose death satisfied the wrath of God as a propitiatory sacrifice. And so by faith in Jesus, he has bestowed upon us the grace of God that passes over our sin. We have been cleansed of all unrighteousness, and we have been made holy in the presence of God by the wonderful grace of Jesus. This is how we are saved from the judgment of God that is coming against all men. So turn from your wickedness to Christ and walk in his ways, not in the ways of this world, but in the ways of the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, as we wrap this up, I pray that we would be bold to declare the gospel of Christ, the good news that Jesus saves that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For there are many in this world who are perishing. There are many who have pride in themselves to think that they will escape. But the only escape is Christ. So teach us to know how to proclaim this gospel. Give us the courage to be able to proclaim it in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation so that many more may come to faith in Jesus and live and teach us to live as Christ's followers in these days. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been When We Understand the Text of Pastor Gabriel Hughes. For all of our podcasts, episodes, videos, books, and more, visit our website at www.utt.com. If you'd like to submit a question to this broadcast or just send us a comment, email text at gmail.com and let your friends know about our ministry. Join us again tomorrow as we grow together in the study of God's Word when we understand the text.